Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Maria Luis Carra. Cue in the applause. What is up, fucked up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Let's get started with personal updates. So your girl, your girly pop, <laughs> aka me, went back to mic drop after a hiatus. Why was there a hiatus? I don't know. Look, I, I can't tell you enough how much... I love how much I adore mic drop comedy. Like, oh, mwah, amazing. Chef's kiss. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like, what's the good word to describe this? Because I was going consistently. Like, I was going almost every week. I was giving my money to mic drop comedy consistently. And I didn't mind it at all. But I don't know, maybe like life got in the way. I had shit to do. I, oh wait, I have been like on a lot of trips recently. Not like a lot, like two. <laughs> but maybe I get anxious, like trying to prepare for them. Or like maybe, I, I don't know what happened. But regardless, I went back to mic drop comedy this past week. Uh, I went to go watch Dan Donahue. Uh, and it was so much fun. And so I got it, like, I got an email, like, saying, like, hey, $5 tickets to go watch Dan Donahue. Oh, well, I also, I think that encouraged me to go during the week. Because I usually go during the weekends, and it was on a Wednesday. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll go. So I had told Alyssa, a.k.a. Yaya, a.k.a. Don Chamango. Uh, <laughs> I was, because I had already told her and her fiancé, Dim, if they wanted to go with me because I've been hyping up this comedy club for like the longest and Dim was sick, boo, boo Dim, boo. But Alyssa was like, I'm down. And she went with me and we had so much fun. We got there an hour before just so we could get good seats. And so we could like catch up because I hadn't seen her in such a long time. Of course, my girl Alyssa, aka Yaya, aka Don Chamango is a busy, busy gal. Not only is she planning her wedding, but she's planning her fucking wedding. I, she was telling me all that she has planned. Like she put the deposit for her venue. And then, and then uh, she told me how much like the anticipated costs are. And I'm like, why in the world would anyone ever want to get married? Like just with the uh, like money spent. And then in like Mexican culture, I don't know if it's like other Latino cultures as well, or like other cultures around the world. In Mexican culture, the family of the bride pays for the wedding. Yes, you heard that correctly. Who made that rule up? Who decided, you know what? You know what? Maybe it was back when, like, like back in the day when, like, women were property and they were, like, they were trying to, like, marry her off to, like, the highest bidder and then they would trade, like, a donkey for... I who who decided that who was like you know what we're not gonna give women equal rights but we are gonna let the women's family take care of all of the wedding costs because that seems not feminist to me that <laughs> where's equality 
first of all, I, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I'm really passionate about this subject, as you can see. Why are wedding venues so expensive? Why is everything so fucking expensive? I can't. I can't deal. I don't know if I'll ever get married. Fuck the fam. I don't know if it's for me. Like, well, first of all, monogamy monogamy as a concept is very outdated. Look, I don't want to talk about it. Do I believe in happily ever afters? Maybe. But ignorance is bliss. Oblivion is bliss, you know? <laughs> so if y'all want to be blissful blissfully ignorant i'm here for it fuck fuck it i'm here for it because the less you know the happier you are but sure sure marriage i went off on such a fucking tangent i was just telling you about how i went back to mic drop and i ended up on like my thoughts on marriage and monogamy also another tangent (laughs) i was scrolling through tiktok as one does and then i came across this like tiktoker that reads like faces and like like expressions and then there were like moles and it said that everyone that has a mole in the middle of their cheek uh which i do is bound to get cheated on so you know it further proves my point that at some point in my life i'm gonna be in a happy relationship and i'm gonna be so fucking in love and then someone's gonna cheat on me Maybe I'm just manifesting that because I'm saying, oh, my God. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. You know, it is what it is. If it happens, I'll just cheat back. Oops. What? Who said that? Who the fuck said that? Just kidding. If my future love is listening to this, just kidding. Well, no. First of all, don't cheat on me. Second of all, if you do, I am going to cheat on you back. It's equality. Ah, tighter back, tighter back. I fucking... I love having a podcast because I just say all my intrusive thoughts out loud and then pray for the best. And then, yeah. Yeah. Like... Having a podcast is like being able to tweet to my close friends. And if you are in my close friends on Twitter, you know what the fuck I mean. Because I, I, I be, I just be talking out of my ass and saying the most off the wall fucking shit. But besides, besides the point irrelevant, went to go watch Dan Donahue. I also got tickets to go watch SNL's Michael Longfellow. He's coming this weekend. And I'm really, really excited. Also, why am I attracted to men that look like evil, like cartoon characters? Because Michael Longfellow looks like an evil cartoon character. I don't, he has like a pointy face and he's yum, yum. Uh, But besides the point, so that's on Saturday. However, Friday, Friday, your girly pop. I don't know why I keep referring to myself that way, but your girly pop, aka me, aka the baddest. I can't even say that with a straight fucking face. But I'm going to go to L.A. My homie, Mario Vega, is coming out in a musical. Uh, it's a UCLA production because he's doing his master's. Yeah, his master's at UCLA for for musicals, for playwriting. Shout out to the homie. Honestly, I talked about it already. But his are the only musicals I fuck with. Lin-Manuel Miranda who? It's all about Mario motherfucking Vega. Yes, it is. And I'm 
I'm like talking it into existence, he is going to do amazing fucking things. His humor, his comedic timing, his songwriting, holy fucking shit. I can't praise the bestie enough. And honestly, bestie, if you're listening, you are so fucking talented. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you will continue to put out into the world because you're going to make a lot of kids happy and you're going to represent our cultura or community and you're going to make a lot of kids, a lot of tiny little kids that look like you and me really happy to be represented in the media. Wow, I got a little emotional, but yeah. So again, I live in San Diego. I'm going to get out of work early. I'm going to pull a mission. I'm going to go to fucking UCLA Go watch my homie's musical. He's going to come out in the production of In the Heights. He's singing what? And then I'm going to drive over to Angel City Brewery. And then I'm going to catch up with some homies. And then I'm going to go see the art exhibit for Just a Girl because it's still up. I'm going to see my poem. I'm going to see all the art. I'm going to drink a couple brews. I'm going to meet up with some friends. And there's, I mean... I'm technically going to kill three birds with one stone, but you don't need to know about the third one, if you know what I mean. Ah. <laughs> ah, good times, good times. And if you want to know about the th- third one, just just hit up my DMs and I'll let you know what the third one was. <laughs> I literally cannot. Uh, but, okay, and then, so that's Friday. I'm going to come back Saturday I don't know what time. I'll probably go get brunch or something in LA and then come back after. And then I'm going to go watch Michael Longfellow. And then I, oh, well, this weekend I bought some clothes for my Vegas trip. Fucked up, fam. I'm going to look so hot. I'm literally Samantha from uh, Sex in the City. I want to look so hot that um, when the man looks at me, he comes in his pants. I'm so sorry I said that out loud. Am I sorry? No, but it's the truth. Like, I'm quoting the queen. The queen that doesn't get the respect that she deserves, but that's another point. Well, at least she's getting her coin because she's older. What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Sophie in How I Met Your Father. So she's the one, like, retelling how to her kids how she met their father. Yes, I'm so happy for her. Someone... She's getting her coin. As long as she's getting her coin. And then I know about, I talked about this show before, but this is one of her one of her projects. Um, Filthy Rich. I, I think it's still on Hulu. That's where I watched it. So fucking good. So fucking good. It's about a fucking mega church and like the fucking mo- money that they make out of it. And then it's so chaotic because her husband is a whore and he has a bunch of children. Uh, I can relate that. <laughs> All right. Um pop culture update so the oscars were yesterday look look i feel like i should care about this because i have a tv show podcast but then the oscars are movies right so like who cares but i literally couldn't give less of a fuck about what the academy thinks like the academy can eat me out just kidding. <laughs> uh, if you're my family Please ignore all the inappropriate things I say on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, No, but the thing is that I can make up my mind about what I like and what I think is good. And I don't need someone telling me like, oh, this is the best 
fucking movie. However, I do agree. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mwah, chest kiss deserves all, all, all the fucking praise. Yes, they fucking do. Shout out to all of the cast, all of the people involved with the production of Everything Everywhere All at Once. You are all amazing. That movie, whoo, that movie got me in my fucking feels, yo. I was, ah, the message behind it, so beautiful. But yeah, fuck the Oscars. Fuck all, like, award shows. Fuck everything. Well, except when it's, like, people's votes. I guess I fuck with that. I mean, I'm... I'm seeing all the clips from TikTok, so it's, like, fun to watch that, but I wouldn't waste my time sitting down and, like, actually watching it all because I literally couldn't give less of a fuck. Also, so, like, I know by the time you hear this, this is old news, but, like, the Hailey uh, Bieber, Justin Bieber, Selena drama, some someone pointed out that when women fuck up in the media, they're going to eat them alive, but when men fuck up, they just like let that shit go. And a clear example of that is how, you know, Olivia Wilde with the whole Don't Worry Darling drama, the Amber Heard during the Amber Heard uh, versus Johnny Depp trial, and now like Hailey Bieber, blah, 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 being like, it's so crazy how the world decides to put women down. I'm not saying I agree with any of the women and what they've done, but women in the spotlight get torn to fucking pieces pieces not pieces what the fuck is a pieces (laughs) but women on the spotlight get torn to fucking shreds if i was famous i well first of all yeah no (laughs) i was gonna say i was gonna be like well first of all if I was on the spotlight, I would be obese in, like, the media. Like, honestly, if we're being honest, uh, compared to, like, everyone. Why is everyone so skinny? Well, I mean, of course, women, because they get criticized, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? But, yeah, just, just something to think about. Just a little tiny thing to think about that women's actions are scrutinized more than their counterparts in the media or like famous people are in the spotlight. Just something to think about. Um, Podcast updates. Again, remember, I'm just going to remember you from now on. If you like this podcast, if you like my little silly, my silly little intros, if you like me retelling you about the, um, you know, the show that I'm covering, remember to go give the podcast a five-star review. That's it. That's it. That's it for now. Let's move on to our recommendation corner. Holy fucking shit. Fuck the fam. Movies. So I watched two movies this weekend. Both of them? (laughs) Why did both of them feel like a fucking fever dream? I, like, literally. So the first one I watched that, well, I mean, I was under the influence. I was a little drunk, a little wine drunk, if I do say so myself. Um, but the first one is called The Drop. It's on Hulu. Um, it's, oh my God. So basically the premise is these friends go to their friend's wedding, like ceremony in, in Mexico. And then one of their, the friends getting married, they're a lesbian couple and they have a baby with them. And then they ask one of the friends to hold the baby. And then the friend 
drops the baby like literally like let's go of the baby for no apparent reason and like leads to a series of fucking unfortunate events and like realizations and stuff like that so fucking good anna from pen 15 comes out and she <laughs> i don't look i had such a good time watching this movie it was so refreshing it was i loved how it was all tied up nicely like y'all know me i for me storytelling i like tying up the beginning to the end like in some way like in some tiny little way just like make connections and i felt like the connection here was very very clear i really enjoyed it it's on hulu again hulu doing god's work as they always do shout out to hulu the motherfucking uh hooligans as <laughs> Let's start a club and we're going to be, be called the Hulu Loving Hooligans. Y'all fuck with that? Trademark, trademark, TM, TM, TM. Um, but yeah, so the drop and then fuck the fam. I think this movie was actually nominated for an, the, an Oscar. I'm not sure. An Oscar. An Oscars? Pat and Oscars? If you're from San Diego, you know what the fuck Pat and Oscars is. It started out as Pat and Oscars and then it became Oscars and then it went to Always Family something again on a tangent why why is my why is my brain like this that's a good question to ask a therapist and not to ask to my listeners uh but yeah the next movie triangle of sadness also on hulu it also felt like a fever dream i tweeted yesterday i fucking love seeing rich people in chaotic situations oh my fucking god so good so good and i don't know if it was because i was under the influence or what the fuck but both of these movies were so good i like i was laughing at maybe things that weren't supposed to be funny but like in my mind they were funny i don't know i don't know i also tweeted rich people in distress is my favorite type of comedy (laughs) i can't i can't and then so podcasts so my friend nancy renee clark shout out uh started her podcast called coffee with clarky and clarky is her nickname and it's basically a podcast about getting through the ups and downs uh that women encounter and like doing it in like this like close-knit group like doing it together uh so if you're into that go check it out uh and then tv shows i finished you and this is all i have to say fucking man named joe goldberg me and all my homies hate a guy named joe goldberg the fact that netflix made us kind of like him this season and then he turned out to be even worse than the other season well yeah i mean this man is dropping bodies left and right you this man should have been caught already. Why isn't this white man caught? I was going to say, what's the appeal? But obviously, Pen Pen Badly. Hi. Hi. Hi, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, why? Why do I say things out loud? Why am I like this? 
why 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 that's the question i ask every single fucking day of my life and i'm gonna keep on asking it because i'm not gonna change uh but yeah fuck a man named joe goldberg me and all my homies literally hate him i hope he drops his location and i'm gonna pull up and i'm gonna murder him yeah and what about it i i'm talking about joe goldberg not actually like the actor like no netflix netflix hi it's me it was a joke it was a tiny little joke okay um and i think that's it for my recommendation so let's get started with today's episode all right episode eight of the haunting of bly manor is called the romance of certain old clothes wait did i pronounce romance correctly rah 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 romance <laughs> every time i try to be professional i mispronounce the word and then i pretend i didn't mispronounce it and then i'm like no i have to call it out okay let me try again episode eight of the haunting of bly manor is called the romance of certain old clothes romance 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 the romance of certain old clothes there you go take like three shots it's fine it's fine we're just starting but it's fine okay the episode opens up where we last ended danny and flora running out of the house and flora fighting danny because she does not want to leave without miles and then the lady from the lake grabbing danny by the neck and then we get a the close-up of the lady uh from the lakes uh features featured list face and then the screen goes dark then we hear the narrator's voice say, Towards the middle of the 17th century, there lived in the province of Hampshire a widowed gentleman. And then we see Kate Siegel, the actress, uh, you know, the beautiful, the talented, the amazing Kate Siegel. And uh, she's playing the character of Viola. Viola? I think her name is Viola. Okay, and then we see the actress that played Poppy, Poppy Hill in The Haunting of Hill House, and we love Poppy. She was a little chaotic. We we stand, honestly. And she's playing Perdita, and they're looking sad as they stare at the body of their father who is dead in his bed. The narrator continues and says that Mr. Wallaby, the widowed man, had been left a widow after five years of marriage, and he was left to take care of his daughters, the eldest Viola and Perdita, Perdita, who was five years younger than Viola. We are also let known that since their father had now died, they had a necessity for marriage because since they were women in the 17th century, they stood to lose control of all of their father's financial affairs as well as their home, Bly Manor. So at the time, the women... So at the time, women had nothing, no present or future without being tied to a man, and now they only had each other. And as the narrator retells this part, we are getting shots of Vi- Viola and Perdita during their father's funeral. And then as Perdita crawls into bed with her sister so they can comfort each other. It then cuts to the sister sitting down by the foyer being courted by different men. And the narrator explains that both sisters were at their fucking prime and how Perdita was a sweet woman and Vi- Viola was very witty. And Viola was always dressed in the finest of dresses, always. 
And then that she also knew that all of the men that were trying to court them were vultures and opportunists trying to steal their father's wealth, but that both sisters knew that Bly needed to stay in their family and that they needed to remain in control. And we get a shot of Viola and Perdita whispering into each other's ear at night, being lit up by only a candle. Also, I forgot to mention that most of this episode is in black and white and the cinematography, mwah, beautiful. Like, so that previous shot of them, like, whispering to each other, they're literally just being lit up by a candle. Uh, but in order to, t- to keep blind the family, Viola had a little plan, a little very interesting, very Game of Thrones type of plan. Uh, so she invited a distant cousin of theirs, Mr. Lloyd, to visit them because he was an honest intelligent young man i mean he's a distant cousin so uh it's fine mr arthur lloyd is fine it's fine just a distant cousin (laughs) and when mr lloyd arrived viola made sure to be nowhere in sight so that perdita could entertain him for a while and during this time perdita learned that he was a gentleman and that he was handsome and he was cultured and right as Perdita began to feel interested in her cousin, Viola walks in looking like the baddest blitch. Blitch. <laughs> I combined Bly and bitch. <laughs> Viola walks in looking like the baddest bitch in Bly. So a blitch. <laughs> a blitch. Uh, the entrance was made so that Arthur Lloyd knew that regardless of who he chose to marry, either Viola or Perdita, that it was clear to him that the real man of the house and the head of Bly Manor would continue to be Viola. And then it cuts to uh, Arthur and Viola in the chapel in Bly, we, where we have been a lot of times getting married. And they have a very small and private wedding. And it was a fine outcome for Viola because she got to keep her title of lady of the house. And it was also a win for Perdita because she got to stay in the comfort of her childhood home. So they say their vows and Viola. So Viola admits to mention the obey part of the, the vows. Because, of course, she's a modern woman and she will not obey anyone, not even her husband. And the vicar who is holding the ceremony notices that she, like, didn't say the obey part. And he's like, oh, like, you didn't say it. But he, like, disregards it and he believes it to be an innocent omission. And Viola only smiles because she knows the truth. So then it cuts to Arthur and Viola in bed. And and it's like the middle of the, the night and Viola wakes up. And the narrator explains that as soon as she got married, she began to feel this restlessness and how her life became a constant cycle of waking and going back to sleep. And how at nine during her like insomniac episodes, she would just walk around the manor and then she would sleep and then she would wake and walk and do it all over again. She had first thought that it was the room that caused her restlessness because it had been her parents' room, but then she realized that it must be something else. We see Arthur come into the study at night while Viola sits there and she gives him a piece of the apple she's eating and the narrator explains that even though their marriage had started out as completely transactional, Viola then realized that there was some love there after all and then in the background we see Perdita like holding a candle staring at them. Cut to Viola in bed, and she now has a child, and Perdita is staring at her sister and her baby lovingly. And Viola tells her how tells her baby how she has no honeyed words and how it is fierce out there, but that her baby is fiercer. And she lets her know that Bly belongs to them and how they will try to take it away from her, but how she will not let them. And Viola tells her baby girl, instead, we will move mountains, my girl. It is me. It is you. It is us. Ooh, now we know where it comes from. 
and Perdita's face kind of falls when she realizes that Bly will never be truly hers because she's the second born and a daughter. <laughs> so then it cuts to Viola playing with her daughter, Isabel, and then we see Perdita and Arthur lock eyes for a quick moment. And Viola catches this as she's, as she's handing baby Isabel to Perdita. And the narrator explains that change is quiet as it is settling in and you only notice change once it has set its, its teeth on you. This kind of reminds me of the story of like the mouse trap and how you don't realize you're trapped till it's too late. Ooh, change settles in and you never notice until it's too fucking late. Viola, like right after after she hands baby Isabel to her sister Perdita, she begins to cough and then she looks down at the napkin she had used to cover her mouth. And the narrator says that Viola's change was barely noticeable at first. She also says how Viola loved all things fashion and dresses with all types of cloth from all over the world. And how her husband indulged her. And then as she's trying on different things, we see her cough again. It then cuts to her coughing in bed. And when Arthur wakes up and looks over, he notices that she has blood all over her mouth. We then see an old-timey doctor, so one of, like, the ones wearing the bird face mask, examining Viola by touching around her lymph nodes, and she looks super weak. Also, what is up with those masks? Like, who was like, you know what? You know what type of fucking mask we should wear? Mask that looks like bird faces. Like, who thought of that? I know there's a reason for that. I'm not going to look it up right now. Maybe I'll look it up towards the end when we're going over our segments, but yeah not great i know so my friend joanne who i uh who i had as a guest for the wrap-up episode for the white lotus season one she made her son a, a costume like of that well she bought the mask obviously but she bought like like made the costume it looks so fucking creepy oh it's it was so good such a good costume uh, but then uh, back to the story. <laughs> and then we see that Perdita and Arthur are waiting outside the room for the doctor. And then the doctor comes out and lets them know that it is not the plague, but that she has lung and that she has months to live at most. The doctor also tells them that they need to keep her separate from others. And Arthur explains that they have a daughter and how she can't sleep without her mother. But the doctor is stern about keeping her separate. Perdita sternly tells the doctor that he will treat her sister and cure her. And he says that he does not know if he can. And she says, you will. God help you, but you will. We then see Arthur carrying Viola to a different room as Perdita lifts the covers. And Viola tells Arthur that she does not want to sleep there and how she wants to sleep in their bed. But Arthur lets her know that they can't and how Viola needs to think about Isabel. And Viola agrees. They tuck her into bed and as, as she coughs some more and Arthur and Viola have a tender moment as Perdita watches on. Cut to a doctor cleansing the room as Viola continues to cough and then it cuts to him trying out leech, leeches on her as well but the coughing continues and now she's in pain when the leeches are being removed. And when all of the different options were exhausted, the vicar that had married Viola and Arthur returned to perform a different kind of rite. One more melancholy. We hear the vicar's voice uh, as he says, I go and prepare a place for you and I will come again and I will take you to myself. So where I am, there will, you will also be. And we see a shot of Arthur asleep looking defeated and then another of Perdita caring for baby Isabel. Next, we see Viola in bed and she's looking calm but tired and the vicar tells her that she must repeat the rite and say the words after him. But Viola says, no, I do 
do not go. Just tell your God that I do not go. Arthur urges her to repeat the rites because he does not know how long her body can hang on and how they must prepare her soul. But Perdita agrees with Viola about her saying no to death and how if Viola says that she will not go, then she will not. And her stubbornness kept her alive for five years. And we see that baby Isabel is all grown up and she's reading by the fireplace and Perdita is telling her to go to bed already. And Arthur is also there and Isabel curtsies to her aunt and Perdita just tells her no. And Isabel asks for just one dance. And Arthur obliges to his daughter's request and gets up to slow dance with her. Slow dance with her. And he tells her that she's he's like, oh, you're getting quite good at it. Isabel tells her aunt that they need music. And Perdita tells her that they need sleep. And Isabel calls her aunt a bore. And she says how she has never seen her dance. And she asks if she even knows how to dance. Perdita is shook because of course she knows how to dance and Arthur extends his hand to Perdita and Perdita is like no like at first but Arthur tells Perdita that they should show Isabel how proper dancing is like and then so like Perdita obliges and they begin to dance and as they end we see that Viola somehow by the grace of God herself managed to get up from bed and she's staring at them Bro, it's crazy. This woman has not gotten up from bed for the past five years. And the one time she senses, like, her fucking women tingly senses, like, spring up, she walks in on her husband and her sister slow dancing. Excuse me? Who said women don't have a sixth sense? Because <laughs> we obviously fucking do. <laughs> uh, so... The, the narrator says that Viola managed to surpass the predictions of the physicians and how she was held alive by some whisper of stubbornness alone. Isabel is surprised to see her mom awake and she's about to run towards her, but Arthur holds her back and lets her know that she, she knows that she can't go near her mom. Perdita tells her sister that she's going to catch a chill and Viola says, I did not want to miss the ball. And Perdita tells Viola that she's going to take her back to her room and that she'll prepare her some tea. Viola says that she does not want tea and how she wants to talk to her daughter. And then we see that Viola looks like she's going to puke and Perdita quickly grabs, grabs a bucket, but it's too late and Viola misses and then she falls to the ground and Perdita goes down with her. And with the only strength that Viola has left in her body, she uses it to slap her sister hard right across the face. Perdita does not react and then Viola tells her sister, take me to bed. And Perdita helps her get up as Arthur and Isabel watch them walk away. We see Perdita talk, tucking her sister into bed and she apologizes and says how... Uh, no, so Vi Viola apologizes to Perdita for slapping her. She says how she can dance with her own husband. And Perdita says that she knows. And Viola adds, I don't need you to take that, an that on that or anything else. And Perdita lets her know that she would never, and she tell, and then she like tells her sister good night. The narrator says that some people in the village thought that the that death had come for Viola in a nightly basis, but that dead death was denied each night, and since since it was denied so often, death would not venture to Bly Manor again. Cut to Viola walking around Bly Manor weekly as she hums the song. And she sees her daughter and husband sleeping and she has tears in her eyes because she can't get near them. It's the next day and Viola tells Perdita that she wants to sleep cuddled up with her daughter. And Perdita tells her that she can't. And Viola is like, I feel better today. 
but Paradita lets her know that that is what she says every day and how each day she just looks worse. Viola looks at her sister and says, the lady of Bly Manor. And Perdita tells her that she has no ambition, and Viola calls it a lie. But Perdita tells her that she lets her know that she doesn't, and she lets her sister know that if her husband stares at her from time to time, is because he's lonely and because he has spent the last five years of his life in mourning. And Viola tries to slap her sister again, but fails. And Viola tells her that she will not allow it. And Perdita tells her to think of Isabel and if she wants her daughter to have that memory of her. And Viola now succeeds as she weakly, weakly slaps her sister. The narrator then says that right before Viola's sixth year of her living death, she summoned all of her dresses and all of her jewels she had accumulated over the years before uh, and before her sickness. And we see Viola going through each piece and Arthur comes into the room as she's putting rose petals. So she puts everything inside this wooden trunk and Arthur comes into the room as she's putting like the finishing touches so like rose petals. And Viola tells her husband that she will not be buried in any of her things and how she can she can say without vanity now that she is done with all of her material possessions because they will be a great inheritance for their daughter and how he will keep them and watch them for her until she grows into them and that he will keep that trunk that wooden trunk for her and keep the key and never give it to anyone else except their child. And she asks Arthur to promise it to her and he does and they embrace we then hear the narrator say that with the money failing and, and that Arthur went away to business uh, in business trips more often. And we see as he leaves in horseback as Perdita and Isabel watch him from the front door. And with Arthur gone, Viola no longer felt the need to pretend to be better than what she was. And we see as she's like coughing up a lung and Perdita is there to take care of her. And as she uh, she is holding her sister... She's like, the thought of a word, the narrator says that Perdita, that, okay, what am I trying to say? <laughs> so as Perdita holds Viola, a word keep, kept coming up into her mind. And that, oh, that a word that she had first, okay, so a word that she had first thought of the year before and now and how it had crept up on her and how the word was mercy oh that why couldn't i get that why did i write this so complicated <laughs> so as perdita taking care of her sixth sister blah 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 there was one word that kept like popping up in her mind for the past year and the word is mercy and we see as perdita covers her sister's mouth and knows with her own hand the narrator says how the word was a lie because it was not mercy, because the word had always been enough. And then we see as, like, Viola obviously is fighting her sister, but she's super weak. And then after a few seconds, Viola stops fighting, and Perdita leaves her sister's lifeless body on the bed. Cut to Arthur moving the trunk into the attic, and she... and. And we see as he locks it and he puts the key in an envelope and he seals it and he puts the sealed envelope with the key in his like drawer drawer. We then get a party scene in the foyer and the narrator explains that with Arthur, a new widower, it was expected, uh, expected of him to remarry. And since Perdita reminded him so much of Viola, no one else caught his attention. And then we see them get like married in the same chapel, but it was like no one was there except them and the vicar. 
obviously they wanted to get married in privacy um and um oh and how on their wedding night each party so after they married they each obtained what they had desired so for arthur a beautiful young woman but but that perdita's desires remained a good deal of a mystery even even after they married we see as Perdita adds her portrait next to her sister's portrait, um, and it had stood solely before, and the narrator lets us know how during the first three years of their marriage, Perdita had failed to become a mother by her own right, and Isabel refused at every turn to see her as her mother. And then cut to Perdita walking down the stairs, and as she walks by the portrait, so it's the portrait of Perdita, and right next to it is the portrait of Viola, um, so she walks by them and Viola's face in the portrait looks almost like skeleton or ghoulish, but when, and then Perdita does like a second take, but it looks normal then. We also find out that Arthur has lost a great deal of his money and now Perdita was seen as less of a great lady in comparison to her sister since they had to cut back on their expenses and she was jealous about the fact that all of her sister's wardrobe and jewels had been put away under lock and key for her daughter and that they just laid there in the dusty attic and she found it revolting how those exquisite fabrics had to await the command of a little girl and on the sixth anniversary of Viola's death, Perdita had reached her limit. Then it cuts to Perdita telling Arthur that the house is in despair and their financials are a disaster and how their solution is locked away in the attic. Perdita urges Arthur to use what's in the trunk to save them, but Arthur tells her no, and she argues that Viola would have done anything to save Bly Manor and how he knows that, and Arthur tells her that the trunk is for Isabel. And Perdita says how blind manner is for Isabel. And she asks if he will let it go to ruin before she comes of age. Arthur just tells his wife that it is out of the question and how he will be very angry if she brings it up again. And Perdita just says that it is nice to see the value at which she is respected around there. Arthur goes over and tells her that it was a promise that he made to Viola. And obviously, Perdita is upset because he's holding up an oath to his late wife, a.k.a. her sister. But Arthur is over it and he just walks away. We then see Perdita late at night and she goes to Arthur's study and she grabs the keys for the trunk. And we see her go up, to this, up the stairs and as she passes by her sister's portrait, she just looks at it. And then she gets up to the attic and goes up to the huge wooden trunk and she begins to unlock all of the locks. And when she opens it, she admires all of her sister's beautiful possessions. And then she grabs, grabs some gloves and the gloves suddenly seem like they come to life and they grab her by the neck and strangle the shit out of her. It's the next morning and Arthur's looking for Perdita and when he goes up to the attic, he finds the dead body of his second wife and she looks so fucking scary. Like if she had seen like something horrifying and her face is just like distorted, like it, it, it looks fucking scary. The narrator then says, we return, dear listener, to the night in which Viola would sleep. And it cuts to when Perdita was killing her sister, and we see Viola waking up in her bed alone with a veil over her face. A veal? <laughs> a veal? Isn't a veal like a cow? <laughs> Imagine waking up with a cow in your face. Uh, so, <laughs> Viola notices, is it Viola or is it Viola? 
I have no clue. I've been like pronouncing this woman's name in all the different ways they can be pronounced. I'm so sorry. Miss Viola, Miss Viola, sweetie, Miss Viola, <laughs> sweetie, I'm so sorry. Um, but so Viola wakes up with this uh, veil over her face and she notices that there are uh, petals all around her bed and she like is like puts them to her nose so she's able to smell them and then she gets up and she goes to the door and she realizes that the door to the room is locked she then goes to the window and she opens the blinds but all she can see is black after that she goes to the closet and she opens it and all of the things that she had put in the trunk for her daughter are now in the closet and she runs to the mirror to stare at herself and she realizes that she is back to looking beautiful and healthy Viola crawls back in bed and she quickly falls asleep as the narrator says that she would sleep, then she would wake, and she would walk. And we see her do, do like the same thing she had done previously, walk to the door, then to the window, then to the closet. And this time she takes a dress from the closet, but, but when she looks at her face, she looks like she has been decomposing. So she covers the mirror uh, with like something to like a blanket or something, and she just keeps repeating this same cycle, sleep wake walk repeat and that time and as and as the time went by she never knew how much time had actually passed and in time she had meet, she like finally like came to terms that she was dead and how her husband had now moved on and how her daughter was growing up without her and how her room was a dream a construct a lie preferred to the truth of the trunk but her reward was that one day the trunk would be open and she would get to see her daughter again. So Viola did not mind waiting. And then that day finally came, but it was not her daughter that opened the door. It was her sister. And we see as Perdita walks into Viola's room the same way that she opened the trunk. And we see as like, she's like looking around and looking at all the beautiful things as she did as all like to all the claws and all the beautiful things inside the trunk. And, and we see as Viola chokes her till she dies. And then we, we see kind of like, Viola's point of view as Arthur like walks in and like he sees Perdita in in the floor dead and she like Viola notices that she just saw the sadness within her husband so she just did what she knows best she slept <laughs> same girl same <laughs> so with Perdita now gone and their finances in the ground and Bly in disrepair, Arthur and Isabel were ready to leave. So Viola did not mind if she could not touch them or if she, they could not hear her or see her as she, that she would be fine as long as she went with them. So we see as the trunk is getting taken out of the house and the narrator explains that Arthur had grown quite uh, a superstitious, uh, a little stitious, <laughs> a superstitious man after seeing the look in Perdita's lifeless body. body body yaddy 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 <laughs> i don't know why i said body like that's not even what i wrote so again let me start all over arthur had grown to be a superstitious man after seeing the look in perdita's lifeless lifeless face i can't pronounce anything right i'm so sorry and how his superstition defied reason but he felt confident all the same that there was a curse that had claimed his second wife so he did not want to risk his daughter's life and we see as arthur and isabel throw the trunk full of viola's beautiful things into the lake and how this absolute ab abandonment shattered viola's heart 
So in the same stubbornness that had kept her alive all those years, Viola changed Blind Manor forever by creating her own gravity of will. And she would sleep and we see as she closes her eyes and then she would wake and we see her waking up in the bottom of the lake. And then she would walk and we see her walking from out of the lake into her house. And uh, and she always felt as if she was in a dream and she would walk into the room that she had shared with her husband once all those years ago. And then she would remember what happened and she would walk back to the lake. Then she would sleep. And then she would forget and then she would wake and walk back to the manor and then she could no longer count all the times that she did that. So we see as Bly now has become like a house where they kept sick people with like the coughing death. And we see as Viola walks right by them as they're dying, but she does and but she does her usual rounds. So she ends up in her old room where a dying woman is laying down and Viola asks her where her daughter is. And we see a doctor with the plague mask walk into the room and he like takes it off and he asks Viola what she's doing there and how it isn't safe and that they should not be there without any protection. And she asks him where her daughter is as she grabs him by the neck. Obviously, she breaks his neck and then she walks away and we see as a doctor who is now a ghost stares at his dead body. And the narrator explains that the same gravity that kept Viola within the grounds of the property also kept him there too. And then she, so then it goes back to like her cycle. She would sleep and wake and walk. And then we, now we see that the manor is owned by someone else because the bed is made and the room looks nice. And then we see as Viola drags someone new down the stairs and it was a vicar. Since every time Viola would sleep, she would forget. She also started to fade away. And we see as Viola's features begin to disappear from her face. Now we see Viola walking around the property with her featureless face and we see that she goes up to her old room and she finds a child asleep there and she could not remember what she was there to do but she remembered that she had once looked for her own daughter and we see as Viola carries this little child into the lake with her. Bro, that's so sad because it's the boy that is always trying to play with Flora with like the featureless face. Uh, and we see as other uh, people that had died in the matter, manor were also fading as well. So it wasn't just Viola. Everyone that had once lived and died in the manor, their faces also started to fade. So as Viola continues to disappear and not remember, the only thing that drove her to continue her cycle was, the, was need, loneliness, and rage. Girl, same. Same. <laughs> Why are me and Viola like literally the same? I'm also driven by need. Uh, I'm also driven driven by loneliness, and I'm also driven by rage. Honestly, we stand. We stand. Like, did she kill a bunch of people? Yes. Was it her fault? No, because like, if her well, I don't know. I'm conflicted because. Obviously, Viola became kind of like a vile woman because she was sick, but it's not like we can't blame her for that. And then Perdita kind of killed her for mercy, but then Perdita stole her husband. Like, I mean, they didn't get together when like Viola was still alive, but still, girl, girl code, don't, don't marry your sister's widow. Like what? Like girl, like some respect. I don't know. <sighs> Look, I feel like 
again, Viola didn't remember and she thought she was in a dream. So I don't think she could be at fault. So we stand. We stand, we stand, we stand. <laughs> so we also see that the woman in the attic without a face was Perdita. So it's the same um, woman that was crawling towards uh, Flora when they were playing hide, hide and seek. Hide and seek. Hide and seek. Oh my God. <laughs> And we also get a shot of when Viola took Peter's body into the lake and we see a flashback of Rebecca finding her own body and Hannah seeing her own dead body. And the narrator explains that they were all victims of the house. And we're back to the beginning of the episode where Viola, a.k.a. the lady from the lake, grabs Danny by the neck. End of episode. All right, fuck the fam. Let's get started with our segments, starting with that shit's traumatizing. Yes, it is. So picture this, picture this, picture this. Your father dies, right? And it's like in the 1800s, I think. I believe. I don't I don't recall. I literally don't recall what the year was. Your father dies. He only has two daughters. So you're like terrified that because your father died and he's like the head of the household, the head of the manor, if I do say so myself. Um, like people are going to try and take things like take your your property from you or take what you have um, and what it's owed to you because your father died, not theirs. So you're like, I'm going to marry my cousin. <laughs> I'm going to marry my cousin. So it stays the the thing like the property the manor all of our things our richness our prosperity stays in the family uh, you know a far away cousin it's fine it's fine Al primo se la rima. A la prima se la rima. no that's i'm just joking i'm literally just joking um so then you marry your cousin y'all fuck y'all you get pregnant and then all of a sudden you get sick out of nowhere, out of literally nowhere, you get fucking sick. And the doctor tells you that you have to isolate yourself and you can't be near anyone, not even. And and like the thing that's most traumatizing of it all, it's that you can't be near your baby. You can't be near your daughter who you love and you adore and you like want to take care of and, and like you want to watch them grow because you're sick and there's a possibility that you could be contagious so you just literally you literally have to watch your precious daughter grow up from afar while being under the same household what is more traumatizing than that there's like as a mother as as a mother <laughs> as a mother i don't think there's probably anything more traumatizing than the fact that your daughter is so close yet so fucking far away, like close enough that you're separated by walls. But like at the same time, it's like it's probably an internal battle for Viola because she's like, I want to hug my daughter. But what if for some reason I kill her with my sickness? I can't even begin to imagine what Viola is feeling literally cannot another thing that's traumatizing so we 
see like these spectators see how kind of like Perdita kind of like develops like a tiny little crush for Arthur. But then once your sister who's married to Arthur is completely out of the picture, not really like literally still in that household, but like isolated. Imagine you're Viola and then you start noticing these like little moments where your sister is like thirsting after your man, after your husband. And I think Perdita was pretty respectful about it at first. It, she was not throwing herself at him. She wasn't. It was just like, it was literally a thirst. Like she liked him. She thought she thought he was attractive. She thought he was like accomplished. And like she like when he when she first met him, she was like, oh, like, like I could see myself with this man. But then her sister came in looking like the baddest bitch in Bly. And she's like, oh, oh, I see what's happening. So she took a back seat. And I think she was pretty respectful of it. But still, like, imagine being Viola. You're isolated. You're literally going crazy. Because we know what happens when people isolate themselves. Like, we've seen it. We've seen it happen over and over again. People need human interactions to, like, live like literally people need that human connection so it's just like if you're isolated in a room in your house you're gonna start getting paranoid shit i'm paranoid and i have human connection i'm literally one of the most paranoid people there is and so I, it was recently pointed out to me that I say literally so much, and I really do. <laughs> and now I'm like self-conscious about it. <laughs> but that's that's my word. I like using that word. But so I think just Viola realizing that there might be some attraction or some feelings between her husband and Perdita, even though they never acted uh, like acted on them is still like fuck like that's traumatizing because viola can't be there for her man emotionally or like physically or sexually so obviously a man is a man is a man <laughs> Like, if we get down to business, a man is an animal, and an animal is going to go off its basic instinct to survive, and that includes, you know, you know, a little, a little, a little sex. I was trying to find a better word for sex, so but I couldn't. Besides the point, that's traumatizing for Viola. Um let's see uh i wrote in my notes your sister killing you (laughs) also something that i didn't write but i just thought of so it's obvious that perdita loves her sister it's obvious that perdita like adores viola she like sees her as like this amazing human being and then she gets sick and then Perdita is like doing everything in her power to like, you know, making sure that a doctor's there and trying everything in Viola because she wants her to be healthy. I don't I didn't sense any competition between the sisters like this was genuinely a beautiful sister relationship up until Viola got 
sick and Perdita had to take on the task of taking care of her sister and it kind of became like it drained Perdita. Do I do I think murder is bad? Did you like my pause? Did you like my pause? Just kidding. Obviously, obviously, I think murder is bad. Obviously, you shouldn't kill your sister. Wait, what's the word for a sister killing a sister? Let me look it up. Sister killing a sister. Name. Uh, Sororicide. Ooh, that's cute. That's cute or whatever. So, Perdita commit sororicide and because she was just at, at first it was like oh is it mercy because she doesn't want to see her sister struggling but it wasn't mercy like Perdita had just had enough my girl this thing was just like I have a life too just because I'm the second fucking sister like the second born doesn't mean I had to spend the rest of my life just like looking after my sister and not living my life I'm such a fucking Libra because why am I giving the benefit of the doubt to Perta why I hate that about myself. Why can't I take a stance? Because I get Viola's side and I get Perdita's side. Like, I get it. Fuck. Ay, Mariel, Mariel, Mariel. Why are you like this? Um. And then once Viola is dead, she's stuck in that room. So she's like, why is she in hell? Because purgatory to me is hell. Like, where you're just, like, waking up and doing the same thing over and over again. I feel like... Was it Viola's, like, intense, intense need to survive, like, to hang on, to cling on to life by her literal nails? Like, Viola didn't want to die. She wanted to live, but she, like, I, I don't know, why is she, why is she in purgatory? It doesn't make sense. Like, did she create that well for herself? Like, that magnetic well that everyone keeps talking about that Bly has or that, that Bly Manor has, where it's just, like, it's keeping you there. But I think she was a good person. Why couldn't she rest? Well, I mean, if she would have rested in heaven, we wouldn't have this story of Bly Manor. But still, I think my girl Viola deserved so much better than what she was dealt she deserved a happy life with her husband. She deserved a happy life with her daughter. She deserved to watch her daughter grow up and to give her love and and just like she deserves so much more. Why the fuck did she I hate this. I hate that she got sick and that she couldn't she couldn't show the love that she had to those around her because she was not let <laughs> she was not let to show that love because then she could have contaminated other people but still and then okay so now i'm not siding with perdita i'm taking a stand perdita your sister left her things to her daughter what gives you the fucking right to be like i want that shit I want that shit. Yes, like now you're like of lower class because you and your husband are struggling financially. But that was left for your sister's daughter. Not for you. Not for you. So, I mean, when she opens the fucking 
wooden box and Violet's ghost is finally let free, of course she was going to choke her sister to death. Of course, like, not only did Perdita go against Viola's wishes of trying to, like, clinging to life, but she also wanted to take the things that Viola had so beautifully, like, and gently arranged for her daughter so that her daughter could remember her. So, yes, by Perdita trying to create, like, erase Viola, Viola is like, oh, hell no, bitch. It was a cat fight. It was a ghostly cat fight. It was cray-cray. That's And then it's like, I'm a Google. What is it called when a ghost kills her sister? A ghostly sororicide. <laughs> Paranormal sororicide. <laughs> and then the, okay, so the way Perdita's body looked after she died she it looked terrifying that's traumatizing just by itself that shit was that shit was traumatizing and then arthur not taking the wooden crate that's so sad because he then did not respect Viola's wishes for their daughter to have her thing so like no wonder Viola is fucking pissed and out here just walking and sleeping and murdering. Like, I would be too. Like, nobody respected my wishes. When I explicitly told you, aka my husband, bro, this is going to be for her daughter. You keep that shit under lock and key until she comes of age. And then instead, like, not even... This man could have done so many things with, like, the stuff, like, sell the stuff. Like, even then, I would have been like, okay, they're trying to survive. They're barely making it. Like, they're trying to survive. They're trying to go to America. Maybe keep some of the stuff and uh, sell some of it. No, this man is like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw all of these precious, expensive-ass items into the lake. Because he became a superstitious man. Man, fuck you. Fuck you. You know when you should have been superstitious, my dude? You know when your wife died and you decided to marry her sister, her younger sister. That's when you should have been superstitious. That's when you would have should have been like, mm, maybe it's not great karma. Maybe I should choose someone else. No. And that's what I have to say in the matter. <laughs> so fucking sad ah viola again she deserves so much better and now she's stuck there and because of her sadness and her fucking rage i think no i don't think it's sadness i really think it's rage she was like her anger and her stubbornness and her fucking rage is what kept her alive for so long after she was giving like an estimate of that she was only gonna last a couple of months and then she like lasted almost six years and that same rage just was keeping her in this like ongoing cycle in this purgatory where she wakes and she sleeps and she walks and then she uh, like every now and then she stumbles upon a human and it's like you know what mine <laughs> that's mine i'm gonna take it back to my crib that's mine too i'm gonna take it back to my crib viola did not learn to share and that's what happens when you're very rich growing up. But I mean, she did have a sister. 
ah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Let's move on to that shit's heartwarming. Uh, like I, I already talked about this, but Viola and Perdita's like sister relationship was really heartwarming. I love that. I love when women, I feel like women are always put in competition with each other, regardless of their relationship, uh, regardless if they're friends, if they're like acquaintances, if they're just like uh, strangers, even sisters, there's, there's, I've seen it like where there's always that competition between women. So at first, obviously at first, at first, before she, Viola got sick, their relationship was so sweet. Like, they were really just trying to survive, just making sure that they kept their childhood home and that they were the ones that were in control. And I appreciate that they were ahead of their time. They really were. So shout out to that relationship before it went sour. Before one sister killed the other one and then the ghostly sister came back and committed paranormal sororicide. I love that. I love that we just came up with that term, paranormal sororicide. Well, I mean, by we, I meant me because I'm a genius and because I'm beautiful and because I'm talented. It is what it is. It is what it is. If you don't like the truth, still listen. <laughs> still listen to my podcast. Please, please, please. <laughs> um. Viola during her vows, not saying the love and obey part. Ah, I love a woman. I adore a woman that doesn't want to obey man because I don't want to obey man either. Hell no. Absolutely fucking not a man. Me. Me obey a man. I don't even obey God. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Diosito. It's me again. I did not mean that. That was a joke. That was a joke. But yeah, there's a song uh, by Kasu and one of her verses. She's like, uh, I don't, I don't break myself over a man. Not even get like, not even, I don't break myself over God because at the end of the day, that's a man, bruh, something along those lines that I did not give that line justice. Well, mostly because it's in Spanish and maybe my translating skills are a little rusty, but yeah, I don't break myself over a man. I won't obey a man, a man girly pop in this economy. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. Those old vows were crazy. Like, yes, I'm going to uh, let my man uh, abuse me, sexually assault me, um, de demean me. Yeah, absolutely. I, yes. Yes, I'll marry you. The love of my life. Fuck no. Fuck no. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. Not in this household. Not in this fucking household. And then uh, the last thing that I have in the that shit's heartwarming. When Viola is holding her daughter after she's born and she makes her a promise that together they will move mountains. <sighs> the way Kate Viola. Kate Viola, Kate Siegel as Viola is talking to this precious little baby and it's just like, she's such a good fucking actress. She is so good. Like, how is this woman able to play Theo in Haunting of Hill House, which if you haven't listened to my Haunting of Hill House season, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go listen to that right now. Um, it's not as chaotic as like my New Year seasons because I was trying to be like, it's my first you know, season, like I'm gonna be professional, but then I lost, I lost all, everything, I just lost everything, <laughs> but it was so sweet the way she was talking to her daughter, like she's like, look, 
I'm not gonna try to fool you. The world is a horrible, horrible trash place, especially for women. But like with me by your side, we're gonna move mountains together. So, yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on to take it with a grain of salt segment. Two things. Don't be jealous of your sister. Don't you be jealous of your sister. That is such a pick-me girl, like, energy. Like, no, that's your sister. You should be cheering her for her fucking success. You should be the first one up and giving her a fucking standing ovation because that's your sister. And, look, I'm not saying for all. Look, I know there's some sisters that are bad. Look, I know, I know, I know. I'm. This does not apply to anyone, but it applies to most of us. Cheer on your sister's wins and comfort her during her losses. Wow, that was so. That was so good. That was so good. That was really good. Like, wow. Sometimes I surprise myself. <laughs> and also, also another take it with a grain of salt segment. Don't marry your sister's widow. Yeah? It's as easy as that. Don't marry your sister's widow. Widow, Respect your sister's memory. Follow through on the promises that you made to your sister. Or that your husband made to your sister. That is all I have. That's what I have to say on this subject. Thank you. <laughs> All right, fucked up fam. We have gotten to the end of this episode. Uh, you already know the motherfucking drill. Give the podcast. Oh, wait. Follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram, where that show effed me up. And on Twitter, where that, D-A-T, show fucked me up. Fuck this spelled without a U. So it's F-C-K-E-D. Give the podcast uh a five-star review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps with visibility. It helps more people join the shared psychosis, become part of the fucked up fam. Um, and we can have fun together. We can have so much fun. <laughs> uh, and then recommend the podcast to a friend. Recommend the po podcast to a lover, uh, to your neighbor. Even like when you leave your dogs alone, and you need a little background noise, just leave my podcast on for them. I think dogs would really fucking enjoy listening to me to my crazy antics. I think they would find it soothing. I think they would find it educational. Like, like maybe your dog likes, will like the haunting of, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I, I'm literally so delusional right now. I'm so sorry. Again, just thank you so much for listening. Uh, y'all don't know how much it means to me. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.